Hey everybody, thanks for hanging out with me for just a couple of minutes. Here, our focus is being better and healthier than yesterday. Are you better? Are you healthier than you were yesterday? Here we don't compare ourselves to him or to her, we compare ourselves to who we were yesterday. Self-improvement has no end, health has no finish line. There are lifelong journeys where we take it one day at a time, and here we do it together. So let's do this. Before I get into the main content, if you want to get in contact with me, email and Instagram are the best ways to get in contact. Email me at benpagedc at gmail.com and on Instagram, benpagedc. And if you listen to this, go to Instagram, tag me on the episode, and I'll tag you right back and we get to know each other. I love to get to know the community and I would love to get to know you. So let's get on to the main content. So on, on today's episode, I'm I'm bringing on another awesome guest. Um, so sometimes I just chat, sometimes I bring on awesome guests, and today is another awesome guest. His name is Adrian Bota. Um, this is a really neat conversation, just just due to the story of of his life. But we're going to get into what he's doing now and how he's helping people return to who they are naturally through food and through farms and I love this because this has always been something that I've been so passionate about is is bringing people back to nature and farming and gardening being an edge of nature is one of the really neat ways to help us return to who we are and feel how we should feel as human beings but before we get into this conversation I'm going to let Adrian just kind of let us know who he is and where he came from because he has a really neat story that we were talking about before we started recording and I'd like to even get into that because I imagine there's some pretty neat pretty neat uh, things we can pull from that and, and become better as we move in, in this journey of life and our journey of health. So Adrian, can you kind of give an introduction to who you are and, and how you got to where you are today and then we'll, we'll go from there. Glad to. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so my background really at the core of who I am is that I was born and raised in Romania and I am uh, an immigrant to the United States. My family escaped communist Romania in 1989. We happen to have been the largest family to escape communist Romania in its history. It took us through uh, a track of almost two years through refugee camps and a couple of different countries, um, a communist Hungarian prison, and finally making it to the U.S. legally in 1991 to be reunited with our mom. So there's a lot there in that story. But as I unpack it and I think about my life, um, a lot of the focus in my life has been around my parents making a decision to leave Romania for both uh, religious and political persecution uh, reasons and uh, making the trek to America to give us a better opportunity. And so everything has been around um, looking at my mom and dad who risked a lot and who cared a lot and who uh, invested a lot so that we can have opportunities that they they did not have. And those opportunities can be of free speech, of the, the right to worship the way we want to, the right to have uh, education and 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 create the the career path or the, your life's journey as you wish to create it, um, not having it been dictated by by a brutal dictatorship. And so, very thankful for the opportunities that we've been afforded and want to take as much of it in and focus on what our parents have taught us along the way at every step, which is give back and those. There are people there that have helped us at every step of the way, 
And it's our job to make sure that everything that we build, we build in community with others. We build in a way that's responsible and that's ethical and moral and that helps build up other people or institutions or communities um, and not tear down. And so my journey through both the personal experiences and corporate experiences and, and career uh, endeavors and now entrepreneurship has been to seek the opportunity to do that good and to do that building alongside of community to make sure that people benefit from you know your time here on earth. Uh, and that's where we find ourselves today. And what you're doing today is, is in my opinion, great. Um, so what is what are you doing right now? So what we've done at Origin Nutrition uh, in the last five years is really uh, dissected and reverse engineered the world of dairy, which many people don't often think about, uh, and certainly not in the terms that we would like for them to think about, which is quality and sustainability and nutritional impact um, on down the road. What happens is we take dairy for granted and many people will say, yep, I drink dairy or I used to drink milk. I don't drink it anymore or I had some stomach upset or I've had some issues or I just don't think it's right to drink milk into adulthood, things like that. And then other people will say, and the vast majority of people will say, oh, you know what? I'm not a huge milk drinker. I'll drink milk and the kids drink milk, but I love cheese and I love butter and I love ghee, you know, fill in the blank. Um, others don't think about the fact that the a lot of times the smoothie they're making in the morning, that yogurt or that uh, kefir um, can have a dairy base. Uh, the powder they're putting in, that whey protein powder, um, most likely has a dairy base or can have a dairy base. The infant or toddler formula that we are feeding our children when nursing is not an option uh, has most of the time a dairy base. And so when we took a step back at this, we understood uh, just the three co-founders that dairy is one, first and foremost, a broken system. And two, it has not been delivering the kind of nutrition that it should be. Um, and three, everything from the soil health to the health of the farmer has really been ignored and done incorrectly by all the major players and increasingly by organic players as well. And so we saw that there's a need for a paradigm shift in this world of dairy that is one of the largest sectors uh, in the American economy, but also one of the largest sectors for economies around the world, be it Europe or South America or Asia. Increasingly, people are turning to dairy uh, and the masses and the governments that are uh, that are sort of controlling food systems or, or helping to usher food systems one way or another um, because it's a very efficient way to deliver protein and nutrition to the masses. And so we came into this with a lot of ignorance, not understanding and knowing how incredibly um, tied into government and lobbying and so many other things dairy really is and wanted to make a difference and an impact. Um, and we can talk about some of those details of where we saw an opportunity to make a difference and an impact in what we've called our differentiated nutrition platform of regenerative, organic, certified, 100% grass-fed, A2 heritage dairy products. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what I want to get into right now. Hopefully, we can kind of jump back, and I'd like to ask you a couple questions about how you lived through your young years, so, so when you're actually sure. escaping Romania kind of related to your health and everything also but but first of all i'd like to get into this because um nutrition starts from the soil and that's that's 
where you're coming from too. You're trying to bring that into step one. And how how does how is how is that related to what you're doing with origin? So what's how important is that and and what are you doing to build soil and and not only what are you doing but how has that affected your your farmers, the cows, the 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 milk, the cheese, and all the other stuff that you guys produce. Me being one of those people, like you were saying, I'm not I'm not too much into milk, but I, I love cheese and I love yogurts and I use butter to cook everything. So so yeah. I'm I'm definitely one of those people that well, if I don't have pig fat, I'm using I'm using butter to cook with. So so how the soil? It all starts with the soil. What are you guys doing, and and how are you guys using the soil to make your farms? Uh, work better. Sure. Uh, so where we where we are positioned and what we believe and what we do from the ground up is we have dairy cows, but we don't think that as the care of the dairy cows as our primary um, measure. Our primary measure is we farm for soil and for grass, and then if we take great care of the soil health and, and the grass health then our cows invariably will be extremely healthy because what you put in is what you get out, right? And so much about human beings as well is so much of our uh, of our health is tied back to our nutrition or lack thereof. Uh, and I do believe that at least 80% of the things that ail us do come back to what we put into our bodies. Um, and what we put on our bodies being that skin is the largest organ uh, that we have as humans, right? And so I think that when we take a step back, we think very much about farming for soil and farming for grass and not primarily farming for cows. And then the cow, it becomes a vehicle for transferring the good nutrients and healthy, beneficial, um, dynamic, living, organic manner in soil that is then passed along into the grass that is then converted into milk by the cow that we take and either bring to market as milk or convert it further into heavy cream and butter and ghee and cheese and whole milk powder and protein powder and infant formula, et cetera, right? And so our focus is on soil health first and foremost and, and converting soil that has been conventionally farmed or even organically farmed into regeneratively organically farmed soil where just as one example, what that means for us is, you know, every continent but Antarctica has the dung beetle. And so one way to think about regenerative uh, farming when it comes to dairy and large ruminant animals such as dairy cows is that we allow our cows to do what's called um, a managed intensive grazing, which is what they would do out in the wild. If we had undomesticated cows out in the wild, they actually were meant to be eating and grazing while they're moving, not while they're standing still. We've bred them and domesticated them and taught them how to stand still and eat. That's not what they would do. What they would normally do is they would, they would move along a pasture at actually a pretty rapid pace, um, dropping, uh, uh, dropping their manure on the back end and continuing to eat and move along, not staying in one concentrated place for a long time. And so what they do is they drop that manure Dung beetles of various sizes will come in. Some will dig holes and have their underground nests, and others will roll up to that to that manure, roll it in perfectly sized um, round balls that then they take and roll over into those holes, and other dung uh, beetles take them and move them along 
further and they will uh, consume that as their nutrition. And what they're doing there is they're transferring that, that, um, that those grasses uh, from the cow back into the earth, sequestering carbon and acting as a natural fertilizer back underground, not only feeding that living and organic and dynamic ecosystem underground in the soil, but then also working its way back up to fertilize so that new grasses grow and they grow in a healthy and 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 prosperous way, uh, while again, at the same time, sequestering the the methane that is released through that manure back underneath the soil into the ground so that it's not in, in the air that we breathe. And that's one small picture of what regenerative organic farming in the ruminant world, in the dairy world looks like, and the benefits all around to the entire ecosystem that focusing on soil health really brings uh, to everyone involved. Oh, yeah. And I and I love hearing those stories. I love hearing how nature works. I mean, it's so beautiful. At the same time, it's simple. And being able to see how what nature does all by itself, of course, using the animals and everything is interconnected, interrelated, and how it just becomes so simple. And then we come in and we try to make it very difficult with all the pesticides and the herbicides and the fungicides and everything else making the soil that much less fertile, but if we just bring animals back into it, let them do what they're supposed to do. Of course, they and they're usually always in groups. They're never all spread out. They're usually staying in groups, and they'll leave one spot, and they'll go to the next spot. And we can actually accelerate that by grouping them using fences and stuff like that. But, but it's just a beautiful system that will regenerate soil so much faster. And like you said, soil health will give us health and that can be through many ways and the way you guys are doing it is is through is through cows and and what they offer uh, to as human beings and it's it is it, uh-huh excuse me uh, i'm sorry continue no no what were you going to say i was going to say some some take the approach that um we have seen the damage that industrialized farming practices uh can yield and we indeed see that it's wreaking havoc on uh, the environment and on human biology. But the issue there that many have now come to realize and have come full circle is that it's not the large ruminant animals like dairy cows or cattle. We don't need to get rid of dairy products or of meat in order to heal the planet. It's actually backwards. Um, the, there's a reason why we have those large ruminant animals. They have a um, a real role to play in the ecosystem outside of humans. And so if we try to take that away, the ecosystem will literally fall apart. And so many have come to realize that the answer is not do away with it, it's do it the way that nature intended it to be done, right? Don't take 30,000 head of cattle and put them on a on a big large farm where you can't even see the soil and they're just eating corn uh, out of a trough all day long, um, but let them be out on uh, the pasture grazing and when that happens, and as we do that, because nature will then again take its course uh, once again and do what it was intended to do, we are helping to heal the planet and to create more nutritious products all at once, um, as opposed to just saying, let's do away with all of it because we've done it wrong. So the answer is, uh, look back in time to a simpler uh, era where human beings were much more connected to the ecosystem of nature and making those things work both for us and our nutrition and for the planet. 
Oh yeah, and then that's and that's what we are. I mean, as human beings, we're an ecosystem, and then we work with the ecosystem called planet Earth. And if we work with it and not against it, or or try to try to put our ways onto it and just actually work with it, um, the results are incredible. Uh, it, it's Absolutely. it's it's we can we can uh, nature can live without us, but we cannot live without her. So we need to be finding ways to build her up and because and try to make her as healthy as possible and if we do that she does the rest it, it's such a beautiful thing and that's what i'm seeing what you guys are doing with origin and i i love how that's happening and more and more and more people are turning to that because they're seeing that's the only way we can do it because like you just said the only way we can truly be healthy is healing where we're living and not taking away but adding and regenerative agriculture is one of the ways to do that and i love how you guys are doing that so you guys have all sorts of products. You have yeah. You, you don't have milks, but you have cheeses. And do you have yog? You have yogurts and all the other stuff, and that's sold throughout the United States, correct? That's right. That's right. Um, and our focus really is, um, our focus really is to create an entire nutrition portfolio. So food and nutrition, for all those great value added and um, premium dairy products and dairy ingredients that uh, we can we can build just amazing nutritional products around that others aren't doing. And for us, the focus is not just regen ag, but it's really focused on heritage A2 dairy cows. And, and we can talk a bit about what that means and why that's important to consumers. Um, because when you take a step back and you understand that 98% of all the dairy in America comes from black and white Holstein cows that have been turned from cows into factories. And, and that, has been, um, that has been one of the things that has really led to the over-industrialization of the dairy world. And um, these cows are now producing as much as 10 to 18 gallons of milk per day. And that's absolutely not normal. Like, that's not natural. That's not what should happen. But they've gotten there because of all the human interventions that have been uh, put into place to make it so that cows are more productive. And that's really a catalyst of two things in history, the Great Depression in the 1930s and the Second World War, which meant that government and industry got together to regulate, um, uh, to regulate the dairy industry to make it more productive. So what they really cared about was uh, increasingly about quantity of milk, not quality of milk. And quantity of milk comes from the non-heritage breeds, like a black and white Holstein breed that produces a great amount, a great deal of milk from one cow, but that milk is often lacking in nutritional, um, in, in a nutritional, a true nutritional push or a natural nutritional component that it should that it should have. And so what happens is we took a step back and went back in time to reintroduce the heritage breeds of cows, the Guernsey breed, which leads the way in Milking Shorthorn and Ayrshire and Dutch Belted and others that produce less milk, so between three and four gallons of milk per day, but they produce um, a more nutritionally rich milk that's also better tasting um, and also genetically more similar to human milk. And so what we found in focusing on heritage breeds of cows um, are these four pillars where they are superior to the current black and white, um, the, the current black and white 98% of all dairy in America. 
And here's what we get from our, our heritage breeds of cows. We get a better tasting milk or cheese or butter because there is extra fat in our milk. So our milk naturally contains between four and a half and six and a half percent milk fat. And anyone who's in food can tell you that with fat comes flavor. Um, and so one, it's got superior uh, flavor profile. Two, it's got a superior nutritional profile. There's more fat, and that's good fat for you, that has more vitamins and nutrients. There's one gram more protein. There are uh, three times the omega-3 and additional beta-carotene, more calcium on down the road, and I can give specific numbers. Uh, why? Because these cows are not producing this um, for human consumption or for production-level consumptions. They're essentially passing it along to their calves, and they have not been modified to become um, factories. Uh, and so you get a, a, a better nutritional uh, kick out of our products as well and out of any products that come from heritage breeds of cows. On top of that, you get the genetic difference, which is really amazing. A2 genetics, uh, people aren't talking very much about, but increasingly more information is getting out there as others enter, enter the space. And the story is like this. All mammals naturally produce milk with something called the A2 protein, including humans, human milk, uh, has the A2 milk protein, not the A1, but the Holstein breed of cows and several others uh, have gone through a mutation process, and now the vast majority of the milk that they produce has something called the A1 milk protein in it, and it just so happens that the A1 milk protein is not meant for our bodies, and when we as humans digest the A1 milk protein and metabolize it in our body, we create something called beta-casomorphine 7, BCM7. BCM7 causes inflammation in the gut. It also causes a slowdown of the motility of the food as it moves through the digestive tract, causing things like constipation or stomach upset or diarrhea or even headache. And when we present to a physician with these, with these symptoms, a doctor most usually will say, oh, you most likely have lactose intolerance or, or dairy allergy. So lay off dairy for a week or two and let's see what happens. And when you do that, you call the doctor back and you say, hey, I'm feeling much better. And usually they'll just diagnose you as, as having had um, uh, lactose intolerance or dairy allergy. When in fact, 60 to 80% of people who have real symptoms of lactose intolerance or dairy allergy can drink our milk or eat our cheese with no problem whatsoever because their issue is not one of lactose or dairy. It's the BCM7 that's as a result of metabolizing and breaking down uh, the A1 protein. And this story is increasingly getting out. There are, there are trials that have been done all over the world and four ongoing uh, in vivo trials right now in America uh, to continue to, to work this out and, and show that this is the case. Um, and last but not least, what heritage breeds are really great about is that they're more efficient grazers. And as we talked, to, uh, talked about the importance of, of grass grazing um, to the ecosystem and to the, to the planet, um, the heritage breeds are better converters, more efficient converters of feed, and and so that's grass and water to butter fat. And so they're utilizing 20 to 30% less feed and water on the front end, and then also um, emitting fewer methane emissions on the back end, which is great. If you look at the entire story, it's like this. If you leave nature alone, if you leave cows alone and don't modify them for a greater increased production, you get better tasting milk, you get more nutritious milk, you get genetically uh, superior milk that is more like what we're supposed to be drinking, more like mother's milk, and you get something that's ultimately better for the environment because it utilizes fewer of the Earth's resources to get there, and 
um, emits fewer methane emissions on the back end. And that's a great story that we learn from nature. Leave nature alone and it will be better for everyone all around. Oh, wow. That's that's a diamond right there. I mean, just the whole gene and how I and I love hearing the and I've heard that's this is the first time I heard this, too. So this is this is really neat because I love hearing how it, some people think it's an intolerance to something, but it really is. It just it goes back to messing with nature the way we did it with with the pesticides and the herbicides. It's not the gluten. It, it's it's the amount of it's the amount of chemicals that they're throwing on it and thrown on them. And it's also neat how you were saying these whole breeds. The reason we got the Cornish cross chicken too is, is because we wanted more production instead of truly nutrition. So these are all really cool things. And I never really thought about it too much about the, the dairy cow, but it's the same thing happening over and over and over again. We're messing up with nature and then we're seeing the consequence of that maybe one or two or three generations down the line with, with the health of the, the overall population going way down. Of course, there's other things with it, but nutrition is a major problem, a major stress in about the majority of people's lives nowadays. It's, it's hard to get the amount of nutrition we need because it's just the food the whole food system's upside down so that is really cool to hear that and that's i'm telling that's a diamond right there anyone that's listening to figure that out and and now it's how if you're going to continue to drink milk find the type of milk that truly is going to be the milk that truly nourishes you it's it's sad how fast time flies by and how much we can learn in such a short time because i i did want to ask you some other questions maybe we can get one question in just about your about your when you were a kid i would I would like to know what did what was what was it like nutrition wise when you were going through all those two years of trying to escape Romania? How how was that? So those um, those almost two years of trekking through you know refugee camps and prison etc. Uh, nutritionally were probably not the the best years of our lives. But you know we we had our father with us and um, there were five siblings from the ages of. Uh, 15 down to uh, a newborn, an infant, really. And Maria was just under one when we when we left. And we were trying to reunite the family with our mother, who happened to have gotten a 30-day visitor's visa to come to America. But she had to leave and Maria at home and the rest of us at home, and then for us to be reunited later. And so, um, you know, it was really tough probably for her and, and her development um, being through, you know, refugee camps and trekking through these multiple countries. Uh, for us, it was, uh, you know, it was a very... A very standard meal in refugee camps and places that we were uh, we were staying. That we had, you know, some kind of breakfast in the morning that was essentially bread and butter and or jam, and then um, usually some kind of a version of a ramen noodle soup uh, back before uh, ramen was cool in and for lunch and for dinner. And so while I I don't have any complaints and we were well taken care of. It was probably not nutritionally the most um, the most uh, 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 filling or the, the the healthiest of all diets, but we went through it uh, very thankfully um, because we did have the the great great uh, blessing and opportunity uh, to be helped along by so many people um, that really cared about us and about our health, generally speaking, and it was uh, a memorable time and an experience that uh, ultimately proved to be uh, amazing for our family. I, I, I imagine the, the learning experiences that you went through. I mean, some of the hardest times are where we learn the most, even when you're a little kid. I'm see, how many kids were in the family then, how, in five. total? 
five of us. Five, huh? and and then your father. This wow, that is that is neat. At the same time, uh, it's it's crazy to hear about that. What what was it like living in those in those camps? So uh, the camps were um, the camps were really uh, were really doing were were the camps were interesting. So. We were initially settled in a camp that today houses many folks from Northern Africa and from the Middle East called Traiskirhen. That was the primary camp that we were at in Austria. We spent some time in camps throughout uh, Hungary as well. But in Austria, where we stayed the longest for about a year and a couple of months uh, in Austria, we were in Traiskirhen, which was a large, large camp with you know buildings and tents, etc. And we were there not too long because we were a larger family and it wasn't the safest of all places. And so they would take large families like us and would move us into smaller um, government funded uh, housing facilities throughout different parts of, of Austria in our case. And we were resettled about 50 kilometers away for the most of the time for about a year in um, just outside of a town named uh, Meierling. And there we were at a small facility um, with just a few others, primarily one other family from Iraq. And this was 1990 when the first Gulf War was happening. And this was a Kurdish family from northern Iraq whose um, entire village had been gassed by Saddam. And they made it out. They were the only family to make it out. And so they made their way, uh, with the help of the UN, to Austria in Traiskirhen and were also then placed into this smaller, uh, smaller facility along with us. Um, and that's where we spent most of our time. And we got to go to school there and learn um, Austrian, German. Uh, and I did my first and part of my second grade of schooling uh, while in that, uh, in that facility, in that camp. Wow. I mean, you, sometimes I wonder, I mean, because when we read history, I mean, it's usually through the eyes of one person. But everybody has their own history, and it's so intense, and it's so beautiful. And you, and each person takes what they they need, and hopefully we learn as much as we can through these experiences to become become better people. And it looks like you have you've taken these experiences, and you've you've become a a person that truly wants to help other people, like like most people are. And I think that's so neat to look into the history and of each person because each history is so distinct and so beautiful. I mean, we I could probably ask. A lot more questions about this because I love I love history and I love learning about people and how they've come to be who they are today. But we'll have to stop now. Maybe we can talk later some other time and really get into your history and how and 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 what it was like living through those years because it, to me it's very very interesting. But Adrian, thanks a ton for coming on and, and giving us those those beautiful those diamonds I'll call them because some of that information is so important and I love what you guys are doing. Um, regenerative agriculture and and using the type of animal that should be used. I mean, it's it's beautiful what you're doing, and I appreciate all your hard work. So I, is there any way that the listeners can get uh, to learn more about what you guys are doing, um, get in contact, uh, actually get your product so they can get the nutrition that they need? Sure. So originmilk.com is our website. So it's O-R-I-G-I-N-M-I-L-K. Um, folks can find us on on Instagram or on Facebook, um, and if you Google Origin Milk, Origin A2 Guernsey Milk, you can um, you can definitely find us. 
multiple digital uh, uh, channels for sure. Uh, we've, we're in, in about 20 or 21 states right now in an always local distribution model. So we have three small hubs, one in central Ohio, one in eastern Pennsylvania, and one in Colorado, just outside of Denver. And through those hubs, we try to bring product uh, to that region in as local or regional way as possible. And so we only really work in those states that are adjacent to or right around our hubs. And we're always adding new hubs. So we're working to add something in North Carolina, in Texas, in the Northwest states, so that we can stay true to an, an always local, always regional sourcing model where we can connect um, consumers with their local dairy farmer. We really think that's important. That's an important way to keep the financial sustainability in those regions as well and connect consumers to farmers. And so right now you can, in about 20 states, find Origin A2 Guernsey products, uh, Whole Foods in the greater Rocky Mountain region or other local and regional retailers throughout uh, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York, you know, Virginia, um, and then uh, many of the states throughout the Midwest, and then again around uh, Colorado and the Rocky Mountain region. Um, and if anyone has uh, Whole Foods or a natural grocer's vitamin cottage store near them, etc., all of that is on our website as well, and you can find locations that carry our products. And you can also order our ghee uh, online directly through our website. Uh, that's the only pro product right now that we can send directly to consumers. And we're working on building out those capabilities to be able to do more direct-to-consumer distribution. Nice. And what's your name on Instagram? We're at Origin Milk uh, on Instagram. O-R-I-G-I-N Milk on Instagram. Yep. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks again for coming on, Adrian. And it was a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks. It was really great to speak with you. Looking forward to doing it again, Ben. Thanks so much.